Welcome to another segment of the Agricultural Market Viewpoint. This is a podcast where we reflect on various things influencing the agricultural economy here at home in South Africa and beyond our borders. Folks, this week I want to talk about the Agriculture and Agro-Processing Master Plan. This is a plan that was co-created by the South African government, private sector, labor, and all of the other social partners. Its main goal is to ensure that we grow the South African agriculture and agro-processing sector, and at the same time we build competitiveness so that we continue to export and do well in the international markets, we attract more investments in the sector, and improve inclusion because the black farmer participation at a primary level is still fairly low and there's room for improvement also in the value chain and ensure that there's a number of black players that are in the agro-processing space. And ultimately, all of this to ensure that we see job creation. Uh, And of course, agriculture and agro-processing are those sectors that are still viewed with a high potential to create jobs. And even today, they still absorb a number of people. If you just think about the primary agricultural sector today, there's roughly about 880,000 people that are working in primary agriculture. And in the agro-processing space, over 400,000 people that are in agro-processing. So this is a sector that employs a sizable number of South Africans. And there's room now to say, how do we increase that number to to even uh, higher? And of course, this All of it builds on a vision that was painted in Chapter 6 of the National Development Plan, which talked about the possibility of close to a million jobs in agriculture and agro-processing. So one can almost think of the master plan as an implementing tool of the vision of the NDP, which was first published in 2012. Now, this plan was co-created and it was officially launched in May last year which is why I'm recording uh, this podcast today, because this marks almost like a year since the plan was launched. And of course, the whole goal or energy and the sentiment in the sector was that by the start of this year, we will see even much more focused attention on implementation to say who's doing what and how do we go go forward to implement uh, this plan. Because again, to emphasize the point, it is not a new plan from the NDP. It is rather an implementing tool or program under the NDP vision of saying, how do we grow and get those jobs that we talked about and grow the sector. But at the start of the year, the implementation didn't go as fast as we all had hoped. Uh, And of course, there are clear reasons for that. We were all focused on load shedding to say, how do we insulate or ease the pressure of the sector? Um, of load shedding on the sector because you can't really insulate it uh, from load shedding. And there's a number of things that, of course, were put in place, such as load curtailment, extension of a diesel rebate, uh, the recently launched agro-energy fund. These are all of the programs that the Department of Agriculture, working with other stakeholders in in, in government and ESCOM and private sector, have thought about. And even in an organization that I work for at the Agricultural Business Chamber, we were very much in the lead of some of these programs with government, ESCOM, AgriSA, AFASA, and a range of other stakeholders that participated um, in these programs. So this is where the energy was focused on rather than looking at the implementation um, of the master plan. Rightly so, because at the time we were all worried, appreciating the fact that 
South Africa irrigates almost 100% of its fruits and vegetables, um, almost a third of its field crops, and of course, high energy usage in the dairy industry, meat industry, and the entire food, fiber, and beverages value chain. So the idea was to say, how do we ensure that we ease the burden on that? What measures can be done on a policy side? Because the companies are still taking huge losses, of course, on the energy. Everybody sees the numbers that they, they continuously publish on that. Now, of course, the key thing then that we have to worry about is that we're not only drawn into those issues uh, and forget the master plan. Because the master plan... Uh, promises to resolve some of the long-term constraints uh, into the sector. Things like making sure that we deal with biosecurity, infrastructure, widening of uh, export markets, registration of new crop production chemicals, and various specific commodity-specific and regionalized uh, interventions were articulated in the master plan. And we need to make sure that we still go back to it and seek to implement it uh, because it will give us that long-term growth and job creation that the sector needs. But getting out of this inertia, of course, is not something that will happen on its own. It needs the government to take a lead, particularly the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, to reconvene social partners and propose an implementation um, a, a, a path for them to weigh in and see what one can do. And I think there's a number of steps um, that the department can approach this. And I've discussed some of this point with the authorities in the department, uh, which is why I'm even putting them very briefly in the podcast, of course. And, and this is a view that we hold even in, in the organization that I, I work for at ACPIS on this. And I think the first step could be perhaps maybe to convene all of the social partners update the sector to say in these measures that have been put in place to ease the pressures of energy, how are we going to sustain them for the long term? Because the next season is going to be even tougher. We're all expecting an occurrence of an El Nino, which means that it may be an even drier season. Now, with load shedding in a drier season, we need to be clear about how do we sustain these and what's the path forward? And I think that's a conversation that can happen between the department um, as well as the private sector and other social partners. Uh, that, that could be the first start to say then after that meeting, the secondary step will be to say, uh, let's remind the sector about the blended finance instrument that was launched with the land bank at the department and another leg with the IDC to say, how do we broaden this to bring in all of the other financiers so that it can reach as many people as we can at scale? Um, and, and the finance is the engine of all of this growth agenda that we talk about together with energy and water. So the water issues are also in the news, of course, now. And that's something that could be added at a second. There's a third point to be added. So you have first to reconvene and talk about energy matters and the sustaining them going forward. Then we talk about agricultural finance and then we talk about cross-cutting issues like water. And then from there, I think another cross-cutting issue that could be added on the agenda is the issue of, of, uh, of uh, agricultural development and land reform agency. This is an agency that came to light in 2021. And of course, it was not to replace land reform, but its essential idea is to ensure that it becomes one of the 
implementing levers under the land redistribution part of land reform with a land reform program that has various pillars land restitution land tenure and redistribution but redistribution part uh, introduced this land reform and agricultural development agency and the agency has to actually take courageous step and think about how do you uh, pass on and transfer title deeds uh, but that will require that we have a good screening process of selecting the right beneficiaries those title deeds are necessary for long-term investment unlocking um, the, the private financing these are all things that we need to think about because this is at the core of growing the agricultural pie and I think the department has to lead that because if we don't launch the agency and we don't address the issues of title deeds and transfer the land that is in the state to the beneficiaries. Every time when the department does something, there will be a conversation about land and it will keep bringing people back to this. So these are the key things that the department can get out of the way, deal with the issues of um, uh, energy. Uh, of course, the department doesn't generate energy, but it can work with the partners to set up a plan about how do we think about this going forward. With the issues of water, it can talk with their core colleagues at the Department of Water and Sanitation to address anything that, 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 that is a hindrance as we see in the news in South Africa right now and then deal with the issue around agricultural financing and think about broadening that and then with the land stuff. Then I think beyond this, we begin then to move to a commodity and regionalized specific intervention where each player could be selected to say what are we going to be doing and what are the time frames and how do we engage with municipalities. And these are all important for job creation and the long-term growth in the sector because if we don't do them instantly and we don't move um, immediately uh, or with, with, with this, what's going to happen is we'll be hit by a drought and then the focus will go back to survival mode of saying, how do we cope with a drought? Before we know, the master plan is again one of those good plans that never implemented. So I think even though the agricultural conditions and the economic conditions have changed drastically from the time when the master plan was uh, drafted, I still that think that it, it's a ripe time to, to, to implement it and adjust other things as we see the experience on the ground. And I hope that's the spirit that the industry also is thinking about and that's the spirit that the department is thinking about. And I know from various conversations with private sector folks and some of our members, as well as the conversations with some of the colleagues in government, that there is a bit of an alignment in thinking about the urgency of actually uh, implementing um, this uh, plan as it is necessary for growing the sector and creating the much needed employment. That's it uh, for this week, folks. I wanted to just put um, those points uh, on the table. Uh, we'll come back in the following week. I think I'll be talking next week with something about the climatic conditions as well as our winter crops. Um, there's important data that has just come out and it points to a favorable winter season. So I'll unpack that. It's good news for our winter crop growing areas and of course the wine grapes and some of the horticulture in the southwestern regions of South Africa. My name is Wandile Sihlobo. I am based in Pretoria, agricultural economist, and you can read some of the stuff that I write in my blog, wandilesihlobo.com, and in the website of the organization that I work for at the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. I'll put all of this in the description of this podcast so you can access it there. Thank you so very much for listening.